Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Uh, Once again, I am Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston, and this is Dr. Paul Gibson, Senior Pastor. Hello, everyone. Uh, And today, Paul, we are actually going to start out uh, filling in uh, people on on an announcement that was made last Sunday uh, on stage here at Harrodsburg Baptist. Yeah, so uh, if you are unaware... Last Sunday, I informed the church that I am stepping down as pastor of Harrodsburg uh, Baptist Church. My last Sunday uh, preaching will be February 20th. Okay. Uh, and so wanted to make sure any of you who, who just listened to us on the radio uh, are aware mm-hmm. uh, and, and hear that from Paul. Uh, so um, in in how that works, then, then our series in Proverbs is going to get continued live this Sunday as far as with with Paul uh, revisiting the chapter he was in last week yeah. uh, that you heard on the podcast last week. Um, so, Paul, this week we're going to do something different. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do something different. We're going to go over to Ephesians. And the reason I want to go over to Ephesians is, you know, as my time here winds down, I want to highlight some of the things that I feel like any church needs to hear. But it's, but but. Specifically, I want to give, for what it's worth, I want to give this message to HBC because regardless of who the pastor is or what the church is, I feel like this is at the core of what a church needs to grasp from Scripture in order to be a healthy biblical church. Okay. And so that's going to take us today to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Starting in verse 21. 21, uh uh-huh. And we're going to read 21 through 20. Uh, six, I believe you said, right? 21 through 33. Oh, through 33. Mm-hmm. Seven additional verses. All right, here there we you go. go. Can you do it in your James Earl Jones voice? <laughs> I, I don't know that I have one of those, but I, I can I can do uh, a low voice, sure. Uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's a lot there. A lot there. And I want to go straight to verse 32. Of course, Paul is the author of Ephesians. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. So here is all this uh, marriage language, this (laughs) family language, and and Paul is talking about the family, and we're going to talk about the family today, but what's Paul talking about most of all? He's talking about the church. Right. So uh, one of the things I like to say is that if you want to have a healthy church, healthy church is made up of healthy families. 
But if you want to have a healthy family, you have to have a healthy marriage. Mm -hmm. So the, the little equation I like to use is healthy marriages make healthy families and healthy families make healthy churches. Mm -hmm. And I think Ephesians five uh, is, is, is potent and full of so much mm -hmm. truth. Of course, it's God's truth when it comes to healthy marriages, healthy families and healthy churches. Yeah. And I, I like that you went, that you went to 32 first, because I think a lot of times this passage, for most people, this passage is, is familiar, it is. right? We hear it a lot in dealing with marriages. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, the application stops there yeah. and, and they, they, they don't continue to 32. Yeah. Um, and so you don't then make that, make that connection like you just did to say that healthy families help to make healthy churches. Yeah. Well, and so this passage has been taught who knows how many times <laughs> when it comes to teaching a couple how to have a healthy marriage and uh, head of the household and submission. But to me, if we're going to understand the context of this passage, it starts with 521. Mm -hmm. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. And it's not like we read 521 where we're called to submit to one another and then we hit the pause button and say, okay, 22 <laughs> is completely separated from 21. Right. So when I read Ephesians 5, I can't read 22 through 33 and separate it from 21. You know, we're going to see some very specific language where wives are told to submit. But we're also going to see in verse 25 where uh, scripture calls husbands love your wives. Well, there's a mutual submission there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that's very important to point out is whether we're talking about a marriage, whether we're talking about a family, whether we're talking about a church, we're called, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's uh, father to son, mom to daughter, mother to son, father to daughter, whether it is uh, friend to friend, we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, and the reason that's so controversial for this for when the time was written or for when the, uh, the time when the passage was written was because uh, in, in the culture, in this Roman culture, when Ephesians was written, men had all the power. Mm -hmm. Men had um, a tremendous amount of respect. They had a tremendous amount of authority. And basically the, the people that were submitted to the most were men and then very powerful men and then the most powerful men. Mm -hmm. So to be told to submit to one another out of reverence for, uh, for Christ, it was really countercultural mm -hmm. uh, in this day and age when, when this when Ephesians was written. And and I think like just like you said, a lot of the controversy around this passage, uh, even in in our times, is for people who really don't understand or hear the full application yep. of it, and they they just get caught up in in verse twenty two. Yep. Where it says, "Wives, submit yourself," and submit has almost become um, a, a, a negatively connotated word. Yeah. Uh, and I remember even even speaking with youth about the word "submit" is not a weak word. Yeah. Like if you're being told to submit, that means you are as strong as the person you're submitting to. If not, they could they would dominate you. Well, it's a giving away. Right. And and what's interesting in the culture at the time. Rome expected wives to submit to their husbands, period, mm -hmm. because women were seen as less than. The, the value of a wife came from uh, two things, making children or birthing children and giving the husband a status symbol. If you had a beautiful wife, the husband's status symbol mm -hmm. uh, went up a few notches. So women were already supposed to submit. And often there was a struggle when a woman would leave her father's household 
because of her relationship with the father, she would struggle between submitting to her husband because she would want to continue to be a part of her father's household. Mm-hmm. So Rome comes in and says, nope, you're, you're, you're basically, for lack of a better term, divorced from your family of origin, from your mom and your dad, and now you're supposed to submit to your husband because of what's going to be good for the empire, because what's going to be good for your husband. And here we see in Ephesians, women are not called to submit to their husbands because of Rome. They're called to submit to their husbands. How? As you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. So it's so wild and beautiful and amazing because the Lord was saying to a wife back in the day, look, don't submit because Rome's telling you to submit. Mm -hmm. Submit because I'm calling you to submit. Love your husband. Serve your husband. Love your family. Serve your family. And, and, you know, we're in this Proverbs series currently at HBC. What do we see in Proverbs 31? We see the perfect example of submission. And I love what you said a few minutes ago. Submission is not a woman going, I'm checking out and whatever my husband wants, I'm going to do. If we're going to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, if a wife is going to submit to her husband out of reverence for Christ, she's going to do it the way Jesus did. Jesus laid himself down and did whatever he could to serve us. Mm-hmm. And, and if it were to stop here, the man would be like, well, this is going to be fantastic. She's going <laughs> to submit to me all the time. But I think the stakes are actually raised in the next section of the scripture. Yeah, yes. And I, I, every time I've looked at this passage, I've always thought wives would have no problem submitting to husbands who act in accordance with, with what remains. But that doesn't happen, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, this passage, yeah. God forbid, has been used to justify abuse. Right. It's been used to justify uh, husbands domineering over their wives. Like, I heard the story one time um, of, of a young couple. They were driving somewhere, and the wife knew that the husband was going the wrong direction. And I'm not talking about David and Kelsey. <laughs> but, but the wife knew the husband was going in the wrong direction. But the wife, out of she wanted to submit to her husband, so she didn't say anything. That's not what this passage means. I've also heard uh, in abusive situations where a husband will look at a wife and say, you're supposed to submit to me. Mm-hmm. That's not what this means. Right. So we need to get on to the next section. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to jump to verse, uh, you know, 24. Um, or, or 24 is continuing the wife. 25 picks up on, all right, here's the instructions for husbands. And yep. this, based on what you were just saying about the culture of the time, uh, which Paul would have understood being yep. a Roman citizen. Yeah. Um, this is where Paul kind of flips it. Up, oh. to, up to that point, they had heard this all before yep. from the Roman Empire. Yep. But the husbands hadn't heard this. Yeah. And and this is this is what would have caught their attention. And that's what's so powerful. I mean, there's a lot of stuff powerful about this passage, right? But that's what's so powerful about this passage is Paul, through the structure of the family that the Lord provides is smacking the face of Rome when it comes to its social uh, familiar structure. Mm -hmm. Um, So he says in verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm -hmm. Now I can imagine if I was a dude back in the day and I read or and I heard or I heard 22 through 24, I'm like, man, this is going to be amazing. She's going to do everything I want her to do. And then what, and then when I hear verse 25, I'm going to be like, Say what? (laughs) Right. You know, because what does he call husbands to do? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself up. Gave himself up for her. Christ died for the church. And 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 that some pastor friends of mine push back when I say this. And Lord knows I'm not the smartest. And and when when I get to heaven, I'm gonna realize just how much I was wrong. But that's where I think the idea of mutual submission comes in. Mm -hmm. Wives are called to submit to their husbands. 
But a husband is called what? To lay down his life for his wife. Mm-hmm. There's no greater there's no greater example of submitting yourself right. to someone and for someone. And I think that's why uh, verse 21 is so important. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. Paul was telling the wives, submit to your husband because the Lord calls you to. Right. Paul was telling husbands, be willing to give your life for your wife. Submit to your wife's betterment mm-hmm. because that's what the Lord calls you to do. Yeah. And, and, and all of us are called to deny ourselves. And, and that's what you see painted here, uh, the, the illustration that's given. Um, and, and how different would it have been for people, for men of that time, like you said, with, with the social structure the way it was, to even continuing on, well, why should I give myself up for her mm-hmm. to make her holy, mm-hmm. cleansing her by the washing with water through the word? Yeah. Like, the reason you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for her is for her benefit. Yeah. It is is to build her up. Yeah, and it's important here because Paul, that language in verse 26, again, Paul is kind of doing a dance here. He's not necessarily talking about a marriage. He's talking about the church. Mm-hmm. So again, it's so wild and beautiful because Paul is saying, why did Christ give himself up? He gave himself up to make the church holy. He gave himself up to make the church clean. What's Paul, what's Paul telling the husband? Paul is telling the husband, give yourself up and raise the value of your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a husband's death or a husband's sacrifice doesn't make a family clean. Right. I think that's where Paul's analogy, I'm not going to use the term breakdown because God's word is perfect, but I think that's where we struggle with this passage sometime. When I read it, I don't think Paul is saying, husband, if you die for your wife, you're making your family holy. <laughs> right. There's only one right. person that can make us holy. Right. Yep. But I think what Paul is saying is, when we mutually serve one another, when husbands submit to their wives, man, we are loving our wives mm-hmm. just as Christ in sheer sacrificial service gave himself up for his people and for the church. Mm-hmm. So as a husband, man, that's, if I let that be digested into my heart, that's challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and I were talking uh, before we were, before we came on today about how when we really talk about how sacrificial Christ was, when we really talk about how loving he was in the face of opposition and hateful opposition, his bar is so high (laughs) when it comes to us trying to live like Christ and love like Christ that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we couldn't do it Mm -hmm. because his ability to love and sacrifice, I mean, it's hard to really put into words. Mm-hmm. And that's what husbands are called to strive for here. Yeah, and 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 it is a great challenge. Um, and it and it strikes me as we were talking. Uh, you mentioned earlier just Roman society. A man's status could be elevated by his wife's appearance, his wife's status, and and here what we see is no. Yeah, you you become greater because you make yourself less yeah you you make yourself a servant to your family um and and that's leading through service is what we see from jesus amen and there's even jonathan there's there's even a message here when it comes to idolatry Mm -hmm. you know verse 21 or verse 31 sorry for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and what and the two will become one flesh Mm -hmm. you know another cultural backdrop to this passage is that um, uh, polyamorous relationships mm-hmm. 
were totally acceptable at this time when Paul wrote Ephesians. And if you're not aware with what that term means, that means a man could have a wife and multiple uh, mistresses. mistresses. Yeah. And that was okay. And I love what Paul is saying here. He said, he quoted Genesis, mm -hmm. the two will become one flesh. Mm -hmm. Paul is saying, oh, here's one other thing, husbands. You can't sleep around. You can't choose to, you know, be with your wife one night and then go be with your mistress the next. You are to be completely committed to mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And again, as you and I have already talked about, you're talking about turning culture on its head. I mean, this was so going against the norm yeah. of what Rome expected, of what a, uh, a noble Roman male citizen expected. But man, praise the Lord for the kingdom of God, putting the family first mm -hmm. and putting the family first in the context of marriage and putting the family first in the context of the local church. Yeah. Uh, and, and just continuing on, uh, uh, verse 27, and to, and to present her, her to himself as a radiant church. So again, here's the clear implication. This is about more than just yeah. a marriage. Yeah. Uh, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Yeah. Uh, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Yeah. So, so you know what we see in verse 27? We see the picture of a marriage. And here's what I mean to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. That's what you see when you go to a, a wedding mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the husband and wife are on stage. You see the bride in this immaculate, uh, traditionally, right? You see the bride in this immaculate, just gorgeous white gown and she's radiant. And, um, and you know, and again, healthy marriages that are began by healthy wedding ceremonies, there's just something, um, there's just something holy about them. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been blessed enough to be a part of some wedding ceremonies where when it's me and the, and the bride and the groom, and, and there's an understanding that they've done it right, that they've honored the Lord as they pursued their marriage, that they've respected and followed the guidelines of scripture when it comes to sex. And man, those weddings, those weddings are worship services mm -hmm. and there's something holy about it. And I think the reason it's holy is because it's an image of verse 27. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it, again, when I think of some of the weddings I've been blessed to be a part of, uh, man, they're more than weddings, they're worship services, because I think they reflect verse 27. Yeah, and and, uh, and, it's, and it's why I think Paul went here for the illustration, Yeah, right? The At their time, weddings would have also been celebrations and something that people would have looked at uh, in a positive way, and, and he's using that again to tie to what Christ has done for us. Yeah. Um, well, it's Which, Revelation too. You're right. Because what do we see in Revelation 21? Christ returns to receive his bride. And yeah. a, a, a new Jerusalem coming out of what? Heaven beautifully mm -hmm. adorned as a bride for her husband. Right. So what did he, what did Christ sacrifice to? He made us clean mm -hmm. without blemish. What are we going to see at the end? We're going to see a new heaven, a new earth with God's people all white. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting because the language in Revelation, if I remember correctly, says they're all white. They've been washed. How? Because they've been, they've dipped their robes in the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. A very 
beautiful imagery that it's Christ's sacrifice mm-hmm. that makes us clean. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not made clean by their by their works or their mm-hmm. good deeds. It's yeah. by the blood of the lamb. Yeah. Um, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Yeah, go ahead and read verse 30. For we are members of his body. So here, here's, here's how it works. I think, right? No, I believe. Again, you heard me say earlier that healthy marriages make healthy families, and healthy families make healthy churches. And how does all that work together? Well, it works together in what you read in verse 29. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. We're all a family. You know, and whether it be the the 84-year-old that sits in the pew or the three-month-old that's in the nursery, and, and granted that three-year-old hasn't made a profession of faith, but that three-year-old is part of the church. Mm-hmm. We're all one family. And that's where we go back to verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So regardless of whether or not I'm, I'm married to someone or whether or not I'm a blood family with someone, I am called to love and to care for and to serve a fellow church member as if they were my blood family. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that Christ did with the church. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. Um, your family now is the church. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't doesn't erase your blood family, right? I mean, you just heard me say, healthy marriages make healthy families. Healthy families make healthy right. churches. But what what Paul is saying and what Christ said on the cross, and I'll get to that in a second, is is your family, your larger family, is the church, mm-hmm. and that's why your healthier families they get that mm-hmm. and they love one another like family, and and. and Families fight, right? <laughs> yes. Families yes. disagree. Yeah. But that's why Jesus put those principles in Matthew 18, where he said, if you've got a problem with your brother or sister, first go to them. Mm-hmm. Because when we fight, when we disagree, we're supposed to use grace and forgiveness and understanding in order to work through our disagreements so that the family can stay strong. Right. And, and I want to go back to what Jesus said on the cross. You know, when he was hanging, when he was hanging on the cross, what did he say uh, to John? Look at your mom. Right. He, she's your mom now. Take care of her. I'm paraphrasing. Because Jesus was, again, showing that the family of God is so much larger than our blood family. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, when I say healthy marriages make healthy families and healthy families make healthy churches, the family is a metaphor for what the church is supposed to be. And I think Christ in his wisdom empowered Paul to write these words because he wanted us to understand that we have to be sacrificial on all levels. We have to be willing to submit on all levels. It starts with our marriages, then it goes to our families, then it goes to our churches. Why? Because the church is a family. Mm -hmm. The church encompasses all of those structures. Um, and, And I'll give you an example. You know, you and I have had the opportunity to serve in a couple of different locations. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know, we've talked about this before. Churches sometimes, um, they have certain uh, niches that they are niches that they reach better than others. But I've never been at a church 
where I've looked at that church and said, man, they're doing a great job reaching single adults. For whatever reason, <laughs> the single adult population is one of the most unreached mm-hmm. populations in the United States. That's where the family of God comes in. Mm-hmm. That single 24-year-old female may not be married, but she's still part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. You know, that 27-year-old uh, man who just went through a terrible divorce, he's part of the family of God. That orphan, that widow that doesn't have a father, they still have a family. Mm-hmm. And that family is the family of God. So I think it's fascinating how no matter what a person's situation is, no matter what their family structure looks like, they still have a family. Mm-hmm. And that family is the family of God. And some of the healthiest things I've seen, and it's it just been little glimmers, is when there's a set of grandparents sitting around the table with uh, a 23-year-old female that's of a different ethnicity than the grandparents are. And across the table is... Uh, their son and daughter who have adopted a child from Ethiopia and on the other end of the table is their other uh, daughter and son and there's a three-year-old there with uh, special needs. Mm -hmm. That's the family of God. Mm -hmm. And that family functions and operates in the most biblical way when it's submitting and serving one another like Christ served us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's all spelled out for us here in... Uh, in Ephesians 5, um, under obviously the influence and guiding of the Holy Spirit, Paul uh, expressed this in a very wise way to go to something very human, mm-hmm. a, a family relationship that we can understand to express, as he says, a, a profound mystery Yeah, that, that he's talking about Christ and the church. Yeah, um, And so um, as we wrap up, uh, what else should should someone take from this today to say, it's great, I hear you say that uh, healthy families make healthy churches. I want to be part of a healthy family. I also want to be part of a healthy church. Yeah. Where, where do I start? Where do I dive in? That's a great question because it starts with us as individuals. So if I were going to go back even further, healthy people make healthy marriages or healthy people, even if they're not married, make healthy families. So I have to ask myself every morning, Am I following the teachings and the tenets of Christ? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I'm married to Tara. And one of the things that I have to ask myself, if I'm going to follow Scripture, am I serving her the way Christ served the church? Um, if, you know, you're a wife out there and you're listening, I think the question you have to ask yourself is, are you submitting yourself? Are you trusting your husband? Are you trusting his leadership? Are you serving your husband the way Christ uh, served the church? And again, I hope now... You understand that it's not that call to just do whatever he wants you to do. <laughs> right. But there's a mutual submission there. Um, and if you're a single adult, know that you have a place in the church. And the church has struggled, yeah, to reach single adults. But man, one of my prayers for HBC moving forward is that this is a place where people can continue to come and know they belong. And, and uh, you know, I'm proud of, of the culture we've built here mm-hmm. that more and more people are coming to this place and they're realizing they belong Mm -hmm. because I think and believe we've done a good job showing people what the family of God should look like. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing I would say, if you're listening or if you're watching, 
is make sure you're doing what you can to submit yourselves to your brother and sister in Christ out of reverence for Christ. And there's so many other things I want to say, but I'm going to stop there. Otherwise, we would need another uh, podcast. <laughs> another, another part, yeah. 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 Uh, so we do thank you for joining us yeah. for what uh, has been uh, the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Like always, we uh, would love to see you in person at one of our uh, gathering times, whether it be 9.30 for Bible study, we have it for all ages on Sunday morning, uh, or 10.30 for worship. Uh, and then we also gather Wednesday nights, uh, some in this very room mm-hmm. at 6 p.m. for Bible studies for all ages again. Uh, and if you cannot join us in person, we are more than happy to continue to be your friend uh, online or through the airwaves if you're listening on radio. Uh, So go with God and let us all strive to submit to one another because Christ has called us to do so.